Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zachran, the assistant editor of the New Books Network, and you're listening to New Books in Sociology. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Johnston, assistant professor of William Penn University and host for New Books in Sociology, about his new book, Community Media Representations of Place and Identity at Tugfest. This book examines Tugfest, an annual interstate game of tug of war between two small towns along the Mississippi River. Michael, thank you for joining me today on the New Books Network. Thank you for having me here today, Caleb. Of course. You know, it, it's exciting to to speak to a, another fellow host of the New Books Network. Uh, this is my fir- the first time that I've talked to someone who is an active host. Uh, a little so, bit intimidating to be on the other side of the the other side of the chair, you know, on the hot seat today. So yeah, what, what's it like? <laughs> Why don't you tell it first? Like, what what what's it like being a guest as opposed to the host? Well, I, I have a feeling I'm going to do a whole lot more talking than listening, like I normally do. <laughs> Well, you know, why don't, why don't we then, you know, let's get right into it then. Uh, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? All right. Well, um, as you said, I'm an assistant professor at William Penn University. I teach sociology and, uh, you know, secondarily research in, in the area of sociology, particularly looking at festivals and celebrations, uh, identity and placemaking, as, as well as my next book project, which I'll get into later on, I'm sure, uh, but on embodiment and uh, mobilities research, uh, particularly taking more of a microscopic approach, looking at uh, action in place and uh, and uh, uh, so I why why did I choose the Mississippi why did I choose Iowa and Illinois well a large part of that is I have a large teaching load so uh, I spend most of my time in the classroom but I wanted to um, you know stay in the field and continue to do research and and the Midwest seems to make the most sense and the Mississippi. Uh, you know, as Old Man River it has a, lar- a long history and it has a large history. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to, to write this specific book? You, you, you mentioned a little bit that you wanted to, to do some in the field research and obviously you're based in the Midwest. So how, how did you choose this particular topic? So my uh, wife and I over a summer went to a bed and breakfast in LeClaire, Iowa. And um, when we stayed there, we went to one of the local museums. And when I went to this museum, I discovered this thing called Tugfest. Uh, this was um, 2018, 2017, 2018, when we went to this uh bed and breakfast. And uh, then as I started to, you know, wrestle with the idea of, of writing this book, uh, COVID-19 came around and it didn't allow me to go to LeClaire, Iowa and actually do field research because, you know, they, they canceled the Tugfest that year. Plus it's right around the, the school year starting up at William Penn. So uh, the way that I approached this research is looking at media representations of Tug Festival. Um, so looking at the local newspaper, as well as looking at YouTube videos to discover how how Tugfest is made uh, as a place, as well as how the people who participate in Tugfest, how their identity is constructed and reconstructed. 
So you mentioned one of the towns so far. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about LeClaire, Iowa and Port Byron, Illinois? Yes. Yeah, so LeClaire, Iowa is the um, place that I stayed at at the bed and breakfast. However, right across the river from there is a town called Port Byron, Illinois. Both of these were port towns during uh, during the height of uh, industrial, I say, industrialization and travel along the Mississippi River, both north and south. Um, so these towns have a long have a long history with the Mississippi River. You know, and even during the winter time, they were trade towns. People walking across the frozen frozen tundra to make exchange of goods from Leclerc, Iowa, to Port Byron, and from Port Byron to uh, Leclerc. These uh, two communities are right across the river from each other, and the way that I see Tugfest is a way to reconstruct the identity of the river and these two places where they can, um, where they can still indulge in activity and interaction, um, and, and then also it helps revitalize their economy. I definitely think it is a way to uh, bring people into the community who now might skip it because the interstate highway. You begin your book with a, a one-liner, which is something, by the way, that I think more authors should really do. It's a good, it's a really good hook. Uh, and I read it and I did laugh. And, and it goes, did you hear about the team? Uh, <laughs> I think I wrote this down wrong, actually. <laughs> did you hear about the team that lost in tug of war? They couldn't pull it together. So I, 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 I like this decision to start with that. It's definitely a, a, a strong hook. And, you know... My, my question is, how did Tug, Tugfest come into existence? For some of our listeners that, that aren't familiar with Tug of War, I feel like Tug of War is, is, a, is a fairly universal game. You know, uh, what exactly is Tugfest? Can you just set the stage a little bit, the scene? What's it actually like? So Tug Festival, it was uh, it was adopted by the community when a uh, when a local community member uh, from Port Byron went down south on vacation and saw a tug of war occurring. I don't know whether or not it was a tug of fe- tug of war festival that took place on a river like this one does. However, he came back north and said, "I definitely think we can do an event like this one," and there there at that time became the tug of war uh, festival Uh, they started planning right away it started out to be a very small event one day only uh, between leclerc iowa and port byron illinois so what it is is so that there's been a couple ongoing debates that i'll discuss in a bit but what it is is it's a rope that is that is connected um, across the, that's connected between Leclerc, Iowa and Port Byron and strung across the Mississippi River. Initially, they would start from one side and take it all the way to the other side uh, via boat. Um, today, however, um, one of the debates is whether or not one side has an advantage over the other side. So what they do is they meet in the center and pull it both ways so that the tension is equal the tension is believed to be more equal across the across the rope on both sides. Uh, the uh, other argument is whether the the current of the river and the bend of the river gives Port Byron an advantage over the other side. Uh, it has since grown to a four day event, and not only is there tug of war, but they've also had other activities like. Um, like arm wrestling. They also have a carnival on the Claire, Iowa side. They also have a um, queen event on the Port Byron side. So um, it's an ever growing event, but the focus of this book is on tug of war. And for our listeners that haven't seen the Mississippi before, 
you know, what is this length? Is, you know, how long is the river? Uh, how far is this actual tug of war event? You know, each side. Yeah. What, what's the distance between the two of them? So it's more than a thousand foot uh, from side to side. It's a it's a mighty river. It's uh, while it's not as mighty as it once was because of the of the lock and dam system that has been created there is still a lot of water that is moving in the Mississippi River. Um, and then also, to give uh, people an idea as to how many people are pulling on each side, it's uh, 11 different teams with uh, 20, 20 people pulling on each side for uh, each event. The women's event, which was only recently adopted, has 25 pullers on each side. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a big event. There are a lot of pullers, and it's a... Uh, it's a three-hour event because that's as long as they can shut down the river for, which is a big task in itself because while it's not as much of a working river, it's still a working river. And to shut it down to industrial traffic for three hours, that's uh, progress that is lost. You, you talk a little bit about some of the, the happenings at the event besides the, the tug of war. Uh, and you know th- this event, as we've mentioned before, takes place in the Midwest. Uh, you know, can you talk a little, a little bit about Midwestern identity and how that comes through in this festival? Yeah, so Midwest is, uh, you know, call it blue collar, call it farm boy atmosphere. In fact, the interesting thing is the journalist even refers to the men who are pulling as farm boys. And, you know, another interesting thing about the Midwest is that the Midwest is known for, you know, its beef, its steak. And unfortunately, uh, I think, unfortunately, what they uh, what they refer to the women who are pulling as they refer to them as beefy women. Now it might come with the region, but I still think it's inappropriate. And you, you know, in addition to that, as you mentioned, you know, I'm wondering, you know, you talk about the a little bit about the introduction of of a women's competition too, and this kind of framing of 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 the beefy women and the farm boys. Uh, you, in the book, you talk about how the role that gender plays in the festival and kind of thinking about gender roles uh, through this festival. So, so how do you think about this? How do you talk about that? And then also bringing in age too. So just kind of looking at the, the dynamics of, of gender and age. So, you know, I was thinking about even for a future project, looking at how carnivals have these uh replicas of larger rides at amusement parks and how they have the smaller ones to sort of prepare or socialize kids to to the larger ride that they hope that they will one day ride as they get older and tall enough to jump onto that huge amusement ride. Well, what they have at this tug of war festival is a kitty tug. They have kids of all ages pulling from side to side. It's all land-based. They're not they're not crossing. They're, the rope is not crossing the Mississippi River, uh, but it's still a chance to get them exposed to what they hopefully one day will want to participate in, and that's the tug of war festival, the um, and the big pool that occurs on Saturday. Um, but uh, um, and then when gender comes into play, you know there are a lot of supplementary events that take place at like the Queen Festival. There's also um, there, there are also other activities like cheer, cheerleaders along the side. But I, I think where gender comes into play is that, you know, it might lead uh, some women and men to question whether or not they are built, literally built, for the tug of war festival. Because if they don't see themselves maybe as farm boys or as beefy women, they might not see themselves as being um, fully prepared for this activity and might find them going 
find themselves going to some alternative activity or completely alienating from the, themselves from the event altogether. With any festival, obviously there are always outsiders, uh, not just the, the citizens of the, the local area, but also people that, that travel around. Can you discuss the, the elements of tourism and attraction, attraction surrounding the festival? Who attends this festival? You know, what's the atmosphere like and what role does this play in, in maybe uh, stimulating the local economies? Yeah, so it's a national uh, it's a national uh, event. There's actually a national tug of war league where people are, are traveling all over the nation to participate in this thing called tug of war. In fact, some people come from these uh, leagues to assist in, in training of the participants in this t- annual tug of war festival, uh, particularly on the Port Byron side, and uh, and some on the Iowa side as well, uh, and then also it is a global affair. People are coming to document this this tug of war festival every year from other countries, ranging from Germany to uh, uh, there's people from France as well, but all over the all over the globe to come in and witness this tug of war festival that. Uh, there's nothing comparable to it anywhere else in the United States uh, and abroad. You mentioned a little bit with the, the sort of representation of gender in media, uh, but but how does the media, broadly speaking, represent Tugfest? Uh, and, and what do you think the implications are of this representation? Uh, and not only specifically for Tugfest, but just general uh, other extrapolations about media representation of local cultures that you think you can draw from from this so representation i think that it uh i think that the representation collectively um is is a is a positive one however there have been some uh hiccups throughout the uh, original uh throughout throughout the years from the original uh, inception of this event to today. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned uh, from the media uh, that I found was this reference to the tug of war festival becoming too large. The local sheriff said that uh, he thinks that it's time to give it up. And he recommended that the festival either um, reduce the number of days that it's being held uh, or to find uh, or to just hang it up and quit doing it all together. The response of the local um, organizers was to potentially, you know, say that it's too big for the, the sheriff in town and to go to other people in order to provide security and to provide assistance with the event. Uh, there's also been some debate in the media as to whether or not this event is a party festival or a sport festival you know the media uh in some ways uh, sort of reported it as being this huge drinking fest where people are drinking all day long for four days back to back and the local restaurants and bars are uh, are overflowing with people and with alcohol and then on the other side this idea of a sport festival where it actually is an activity that people come as fans to watch a specific activity before then departing to go back home uh and and um having a specific activity in mind, whereas, uh, whereas, whereas party seems to be a bit less organized. Obviously any academic project, you know, there's a, a mix of looking at the archives, uh, looking at primary sources and secondary sources. Uh, can you talk about some of the, the documents that you looked at, uh, either the primary documents first and then 
you know, maybe some secondary sources that helped you think about those primary sources? So I, I would say that this is, um, in some ways, a historical sociology. Um, why? Because I didn't actually go out into the field and, and, and watch what was happening. A lot of my time was spent in the archives. So um, the archives take a couple different forms. One form is YouTube, using the search engine there to find as many sources as it possibly can of video, take, video footage taken of Tug Festival. The other source that I that I relied on heavily was the Quad City Times. In fact, if you look at the acknowledgments in the book, I give a great thanks to the Quad City Times for their journalists doing such great reporting that allowed me to then bring all of the reports together to make sense of them and to identify major themes that occurred throughout all of this reporting over several years. And are there any other sources, maybe not not necessarily specific to Tugfest, but other texts uh, on, you know, like maybe, I, I don't know if local sociology would be like the proper term for, for this type of work, but uh, maybe other works that helped inspire you and helped you think through uh, some of the issues that you were looking at in terms of media representation? So um, one of the... Um... So with community media, I looked at Howley 2005, and it was uh, uh, his his work is based on community media. But I also relied heavily on Gary Allen Fine's work on small group activities. Uh, you know, he focuses on small groups, and and that's definitely what while you know the festival has grown to be a, a very large event. I think it's, if, if we were to look at the percentage of people who come to this event as compared to uh, the United States or even, you know, generally Iowa, it's a very small percentage of the overall population that attends this and uh, an even smaller group of people who organize this event so that it can happen every year. So small group, uh, small group activities is, is something that I focused on from Gary Allen Fine. What would you sort of uh, call or think of as maybe you know ma- major takeaways that you had from from doing this research? Things that you you know prior to the work uh, didn't necessarily think think, and now you know something that has become kind of blindingly clear to you in the course of of the research. Uh, maybe about uh, you know the Midwestern identity, or about festivals, uh, or uh, about sociology. Well, it's, it's introduced me to looking at a variety of di- uh, different festivals that occur. You know, it was, this, it was this Great River Tug Festival that led me to my next project that I'm working on, which is uh, which is a kayak and a canoeing event where people cross the uh, – Flotzilla is what it's called – where people cross the Mississippi River uh, for, uh, for this ca- communal activity ritual where they have a picture taken every year in order – uh, in order to make an attempt at beating the uh, an- the largest flotilla record, and then from there docking and going to this larger uh, this larger party where there's where there's drink and activity, but then there's also uh, a concert and, and seeing how and seeing that there are other activities that are occurring along the Mississippi that I, was, that, that I wasn't uh, always aware of, but then also to see the importance of a festival and how many different festivals there are and the role that they play in everyday, uh, in everyday life, you know, both for the city and for the people who attend. This is a, a question. You, you mentioned it a little bit in your uh, 
in, in the afterword of the book, but just, you know, about the impact that COVID has had on the festival. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, obviously people all the time, they're talking about, you know, the metaverse, everything going digital, we're not going to be in physical, you know, <laughs> physical reality anymore. And obviously festivals are really about people coming together. So you know, is this something that, uh, that, that you feel that we need to somehow preserve these sorts of festivals, that we need these events where people can come together. Do you think that the that are, are does it does it worry you this idea that maybe these festivals might not exist anymore and that everything will just be on the internet? Well, the festival, this festival particularly, came back in particular came back after one year of a hiatus as a result of COVID nineteen. Um, the event that I'm writing on now never stopped never stopped happening because the design of the event allowed for people to uh to socially distance while on their canoe and kayaks they didn't uh, have their annual flotilla picture but they were still able to come together for activity whether that's right wrong safe or unsafe uh we'll leave that up to viewers to uh to decide but uh, it's no secret that it still went on uh, i think that People need to, you know, as a sociologist, the the, the most basic uh, thing that I can that I can assume and and understand about the human population is that we are social beings, and if we are social beings, it requires us to connect in some way, shape, or form, and I think the most natural way to connect is face to face. After all, that's what Goffman and others were studying. They weren't studying virtual uh, connectedness. It, it, it didn't exist in the way that it does today. And you mentioned a little bit about about the uh, the project, the new project that you're working on now. Uh, is, there, is there anything else that you're working on in addition to that, or or any other problems, things you're reading, anything else that that you know has been uh, keeping or or, or or make you know find that you've been been interested in? Yeah. So community community media representations is sort of where my uh, is is my has sort of become my method uh, by design just uh, just to what my schedule looks like uh, and uh, festivals and celebrations has sort of become the identity of the uh, for the backdrop of my my research. I recently had somebody ask me. Uh, Michael, is is your thing going to be festivals and celebrations? I said, well, it has been, and it might be the direction that I go. So, you know, as I explore, uh, as I explore different festivals around, I, I my next pro the work that I'm doing right now is on a book about kayaking and a canoeing event, but the project after that for data collection data collection, which I'm also in the midst of, uh, is on a is looking at airspace, getting away from the water for a bit and getting into the air and looking at a hot air uh, balloon festival and looking at the role that these different designs on the balloon on the balloon play and how that ties into the identity of the pilots of these hot air balloons. So I, I think that festivals are continuing to attract me. I, I don't know that, uh, I don't know when or if or how something else might deter me from using festivals as a backdrop for uh, larger topics in sociology, but uh, right now festivals is where it's at. 
I like to imagine that that one day there'll be a, an academic festival of festivals where you can have a festival where you can talk about all the great festivals that are out there. And, and, and be the keynote speaker of it, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, just maybe in you know twenty or thirty years, once you've you've uh, you've done every festival <laughs> festival known to known to humankind, then you can you can do that. Yes. Uh, well, Michael, thank you so much for for being a guest in the New Books Network. I know uh, you know it's. Uh, now, now that we've done it, how how does it feel to be a guest compared to being a host? <laughs> well, the 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 chairs cooled down a bit. It was a hot seat. Now it's uh, <laughs> uh, now it's perfect temperature. And and uh, yeah, thank you again for having me on this show. I uh, I hope that it's a joy for the listeners just as much as it has been for me as a guest on this show. Yes, and I'm sure they, they will hear you again in the future. Uh, yeah, doing exactly what I'm doing now and being the, the questioner. So thank you. Thank you.